Hello everyone, this is the Parks Academy where we discuss and celebrate all things theme parks related. We focus mainly on Disney parks and resorts in both Anaheim and Orlando. My name is Paige. My name is Steven. And today we will be continuing our Park Icons miniseries. Yep, today we will be venturing right into Epcot to talk about Spaceship Earth, which once again, I went into it thinking there's no way there's going to be anything interesting about this. There's like a million interesting things about it. And um, that's just, I think, Paige sees this. What do you see, a spider? A spider has descended from the ceiling <laughs> directly above and I was my talking, head. And yeah, I just saw you blowing at it like a little rascal. Um, are you, okay? you going to be okay? I would like you to promptly remove tell. this spider. Where is it? Here, you, you keep talking. Oh, I see it. He's harmless. All right, we got the spider. Um, <clears throat> anyways, you know, we're not, your face was hilarious when you were doing that. I mean, like, that was like, that was like, it's tough to be a bug. I was going to say, I was like, yeah, except it was like, Wrong really, episode. it was really, really small. And yeah. I'm sorry for any um, spider enthusiast, but I did clap my hands over it and squashed it. So, um, sorry, spider. Yeah. Uh, I have an anecdote before we get into um, what we're excited about and the episode and everything. And I just wanted to share it. So, Sometimes, like, life is really serendipitous, right? And it just throws things at you kind of randomly. Mm -hmm. So last week, we talked about um, the famous, famous quote, 1932 song, What No Mickey Mouse, What Kind of Party Is This? Mm -hmm. Right? And, um, or said, like, you know, like, yeah. So like, I think it was, like, No Mickey Mouse, What Kind of Party Is This? So I, um, and that came out in 19, no, it's in 1932. Mm-hmm. So in 1933, there was a um, a film with Buster Keaton and Jimmy Durante called What? No Beer? And then in um, the film uh, College with Buster Keaton, he had a poster on his dorm room wall that said, What? No Beans? Weird. And so it, was it like just- like a phrase in the 30s. It was weird, I guess. I mean, it was obviously No Mickey Mouse. Well, no, it said No Mickey Mouse. What kind of party is this? But it still kind of had like that yeah. same sort of- tenor to it so i just yeah. thought that was weird and also i think in our episode i said that there was no uh, recording of it but i think i may have found one. Oh, really so i'll try to link that up yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. after awesome. after i made a mistake in our last episode about me thinking that uh, uh, imagineer had passed on when he, and he actually didn't yeah i like went back and was double checking something you mixed up your kevin's yeah your kevin rafferty's there's more than one it's easy to do yep when there's two of them yeah for sure um gosh that was yeah what are you excited about this week I have two things I'm excited about. One is sports-related and one is Disney-related. Okay. Um, the sports-related one is also kind of Disney-related because on Saturday this week, we went to the Orioles game and it was Marvel Night. Yeah. And it was super cool. A couple of really confused fans. Yep. Who dressed yep. up as DC characters. Correct. Yep. Get your superheroes straight, people. Um, but there was a cool bobblehead giveaway with mm -hmm. Adley Rutschman as Captain America, which yeah. was really neat. And then before the game, they had a Captain America, Black Panther, and then the Oriole Bird was dressed up as Thor. And so it was fun. They had meet and greet stuff for the kids, and they gave away little action figures to every kid. They got to pick a superhero, so you could pick, you know, Cap, or you could pick 
Iron Man, you could pick a lot of different toys. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there was fun Marvel theme music yeah, kind of throughout cool. the evening. That cool. So that was really fun to kind of tie in Marvel mm-hmm. with baseball. Yeah. It was really hot. So it was that was not fun. Hot. But otherwise, it was great. Yep. Summer's upon us, my friends. Mm-hmm. Big time. Um, the other thing, Disney-related news that came out this week is because now we've gotten the trailers and the new Indiana Jones film is coming out this year, mm-hmm. they have opened a pop-up bar. Yeah, I've been seeing that. How called cool, huh? Indiana Jones Den of Destiny, and it's right in Hollywood Studios next to the Indiana Jones Stunt Spectacular. So um, I believe it took the place of the Indiana Jones Outpost whatever that mm-hmm. that little shop that was right next to the ride or the show i'm mm-hmm. sorry um and so it took the place of that and right. so i don't know how long it'll be there but mm-hmm. uh yeah, yeah big indiana jones stuff happening right now yeah i mean the... we it's a normal thing for us to go to jock Lindsay's um every time we go to disney springs right right so that's like our first night. We just got there, got off the plane, go to our hotel check-in, and then go to Disney Springs and go to Jock Lindsay's. Mm-hmm. So I think this is cool. I don't think it's going to be around long enough for us to see it. But for those of you who are Indiana Jones fans and you're mm-hmm. in the area or you have a trip coming up, um, probably check this out. I know they don't only just have like cool beverages that are themed, but there's also props from the movie that were there. I've seen some pictures of that. Yeah. Um, so yeah, there's little signs that show the different outfits and what film they're from. And, um, like there's a little set of playing cards from one of the films. So yeah. Yeah. Very, very cool. Good. I've got two quick things this week. Um, the first one is that today, um, Ubisoft, uh, announced a brand new Star Wars video game called Star Wars Outlaws. And it is, I think it might be the first open world, uh, Star Wars game. I am not a video game uh, consumer at all. I used to be, like in high school and some college, but uh, I haven't been into video games in a long time. But um, this actually looks really cool. I might uh, check it out, maybe. Um, Speaking of video games, the other thing that I'm excited about this week is um, there's this app on my phone called Block Blast, and I've been playing it a lot. And um, it's kind of like a different version of Tetris where you have to like stack up blocks and Cancel them out, and I feel like an old lady playing iPhone games, but uh, it's been fun, and it's been really preoccupying my time when I'm waiting for our daughter to go to sleep or when I just, like, have a minute that I just need to, like, kill some time. Yeah, and they are not a sponsor of the show. That's just a game you've been playing. No, 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 they're not. It's a free app, but it yeah. has, like, an insane amount of ads. Yeah. So that's been... Ads, what do you know? That has been so Speaking of ads... um. <laughs> As you guys know, Deep Cut is our, our official sponsor of the Parks Academy. Um, you can get 10% off their record displays and accessories using the code TPA10 at checkout for your first order. Um, and just uh, before we get into things with Epcot, I did just also want to say, you know, thanks to everyone who supports the show. And uh, we would really love it if you would be kind enough to take a little bit of time and hit us with a kind review and some nice, wor- uh, nice words and, and ratings on Apple Podcasts. That would mean a lot. and It would go a long way for discoverability and all of that stuff. Are you ready to um, talk about Epcot? I sure am, except I keep having phantom spider twitches all over me. 
Like, All right. That that spider that descended really got me good. So I'm right. ready to think about Spaceship Earth and not let's, spiders. Let's cue the music. You do your get your wiggles out, and then we'll we'll go. The experimental prototype community of tomorrow was Walt's huge dream for Florida uh, when he was when he was building out this idea of what it was going to be like. He basically wanted Disney World to be this, you know, its own municipal power and have the most insane modes of transportation you could imagine beyond monorails and boats and buses. Uh, it was going to be huge. Like, I, I mean, if Walt had his way with it and if the company didn't go scrambling after he died i can't even imagine what it would have been like um regrettably however he did die and so you know the whole focus of 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 the disney team and his brother was to figure out like how are we actually going to get magic kingdom to work how are we going to get off the ground and so everything else was an afterthought until they opened up epcot in 1982 and the one of the opening day attractions for Epcot was Spaceship Earth. And um, it was their big marquee feature. It was, you know, the first thing you see when you walk in. And it, I mean, it is, uh, it's, I think, I guess for me personally, I didn't know there was a ride in there until I first went to, <laughs> to Disney World. Yeah. I had no idea there was a ride in there. So for the longest time, I called it the Epcot ball because I didn't know. I also legitimately think that my family never once rode Spaceship Earth, ever. And the first yeah. time I rode it was with you in like 2016. Yeah, it's uh, it's it's a good ride. We're going to talk about the early days of the ride. We are going to dig into what it's made of because that's an interesting story. Uh, we're going to go into the story of the ride, some changes over the years, and then go over some ride details. And um, I have a couple questions for you about it. Uh, we are going to learn why there are parts of that ride that terrify me. And um, boy, I hate to say what I'm going to say, but how Adolf Hitler was kind of involved in the ride at one point. That's super rough. It is It is beyond rough, but we're going to talk about all this. Okay. okay? So uh, the idea for Spaceship Earth was to look at our past before we can look into the future. Um uh, the 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 folks who were building Epcot and getting this ride together, they brought in a number of scholars and historians to try to put the ride together. We're talking more about just the whole concept, right? Not just the, the building itself. Uh, most notably, Fred Williams, who was from the Annenberg School of Communications at USC. He uh, They brought him on to help find key moments in human history that would be a big part for the ride's development. Um, and what they really wanted to do with Spaceship Earth was have it almost be like an introductory pavilion to Future World. And um, they wanted it to kind of act as like a, a, a prelude to Epcot. So before you got in and you started seeing different countries and learning about the future and, you know, technologies and all kinds of stuff like that, uh, the goal of Spaceship Earth was to say, you know, before you can know where we're going, let's see where we've been. Yeah, they wanted to give you a little history lesson to catch you up. So, right. So uh, Bradbury 
wrote the original script to Ray Bradbury. Wrote, That's what I was wondering. Yeah, he wrote the original script concept on July 22nd, 1977, called Man and His Spaceship Earth. Um, this, this, uh, this concept script they put together is so fascinating because um, it basically is, it reads as like an um, anthropology textbook, kind of. Um, maybe a little anthropology, a little history mixed in there. And there was two, uh, there were two um, quotes at the very, very beginning of this, of this uh, storyboard that they had. Um, one by Archibald um, McLeish and the other one by an astronaut named William A. Anders. I'm just going to read you one of the two of them because the second one's kind of long. I'll put it in show notes. But the one from Archibald McLeish says, uh, to see the earth as it truly is, small and blue and beautiful, and that eternal silence where it floats is to see ourselves as riders on the earth together, brothers on that bright loveliness in the eternal cold, brothers who know that they are truly brothers. Um, really interesting quote. And I think that it actually kind of says a lot about, um, you know, just basically like uh, a lot about kind of what the ride is, is trying to accomplish and what it's trying to say. Right. Um, <clears throat> by the way, I don't think this episode's going to be funny and that breaks my heart. That's okay. We'll try to add a little humor in. It's educational. But I don't know how it's going to be funny and I'm just like pulling out my hair thinking okay. about that. So we'll see. It's all right. Uh, there could be moments of humor. We'll see. So, um, uh, one of the one of the other ideas, and this kind of came from the astronaut uh, William A. Anders, um, but one of the big ideas that came behind Spaceship Earth was basically to say that Earth is is like a spaceship that we're all on. Um, we all have a role to play in its continued existence. Um, and basically what they're saying is if we can communicate effectively in the past, we can use that to help benefit the species and societies moving forward. And so obviously one of the main themes of Spaceship Earth is communication leads to information, leads to survival, leads to advancements. Yeah. So um, what uh, they, uh, um, um, they had a couple of different ideas of, of different like ways that they could start this up. Um, and through it, they had some like, you know, original, basically like just some like original kind of concepts for how this ride was going to be put together at work. Um, one of the early ideas that was actually in this, uh, this initial concept script that Bradbury wrote along with other folks, um, is that they wanted it to basically be like a sequence where you're essentially taken into a computer and Disney Imagineers described it as, we are the computer and are submerged in a psychedelic experience created by colored light swirling in abstract pattern. Uh, and they said the air is filled with the sound of a million facts, which just sounds like so overwhelming. That also sounds very 70s and early 80s. Right. I mean, because they were doing all this right. kind of work in the late 70s before. Right. Because uh, it took about four years yep, to get that Epcot ready to go. Yeah. Uh, another idea that they had... Um, was they wanted to create this idea of the universal man. And so essentially, one of the things they wanted to do was you get in your ride vehicle. And because um, this obviously was before they came up with like how the ride was going to work, you know, w w basically what it was. They wanted to come up with like, you know, what is the structure going to do? And how, sure. is gonna, how is the story going to function in there? Mm -hmm. um, so in the early days, uh, they cut this... Um, but they wanted to kind of have like you get into your your spaceship, right? And or your ride vehicle. And um 
you you basically just like start riding into darkness and slowly you start seeing faces appear out of the darkness and you hear voices kind of fade in and fade out so they had a list of people that they wanted to have be the voices here comes hitler they wanted to have and this is all in that script okay they wanted to have kennedy martin luther king jr teddy roosevelt churchill truman gandhi and in quotes it said i I literally saw this script. i was going through a pdf of this thing um hitler shouting to his mobs and eventually, what they wanted was all the voices to blend together and form the universal man. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't know about that last one. In the 70s? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Was their point that, like... I think their point was, like, no matter who you evil are... Evil also coexists as humans, too? I think that what they were trying to say, and boy, oh boy, is this touchy, um... I think I think what they were trying to say is that everyone's part of our everyone's part of the spaceship. Everybody mm-hmm. in their existence is part of the human story. And um I have a lot of thoughts about that. Yeah, I mean like yes, yes everyone whether they did terrible things or great things, everyone is part of the human part story. Part of history. Yes, of course. However, and we shouldn't like forget those things big that they asterisk. happen. Um but at the same time it's like if I heard Hitler screaming on spaceship Earth, I'd be like get me the uh heck out of here yeah because that sucks and like then we're the universal man it's like no everyone else is great up until then you know like mlk jr kennedy you know roosevelt churchill truman gandhi fantastic and and i'm sure that if they would have gone that route they could have added in even more and more and more voices right like um you know uh great female leaders right like um, um, more people who have made a huge impact. Like they could have updated that annually from right. like poet laureates to um, presidents to, um, you know, sp- people who started uh, movements right. in the United States or around the world. But yeah. um, they scrapped that idea. And thank goodness they Good. did because that would have that sucked butts, dude. I would have hated that. When you first started talking about the universal man, I thought you were going to be talking about and you said all these faces would start appearing. Mm-hmm. I thought where you were going with that is that sort of image that, you know, we see it projected all the time mm-hmm. that by whatever, 2075 oh, or everyone, something, like, looks like Nick everyone's going to be like a similar mm-hmm. um, look because there will be so much um, like interracial marriage mm-hmm. and different ethnicities will have yeah. sort of combined because we're getting further and further mm-hmm. away from being separated yeah. by that. And so everyone will sort of have like this sort of universal look to them. That's where I thought you were going with that, which I thought was really ahead of its time in the late 70s. Was not expecting Hitler. Yeah, we were we were hanging out <clears throat> the other day and I mentioned like, by the way, Hitler is going to come up in the podcast. So just brace yourself for that. Um, I just think it's really strange that in like almost the eighties they were considering him being a part of the script, but um I'm really glad they I'm really, really glad they scrapped that because that would have just been the pits. Well, yeah, uh we're not at all getting political on this podcast, by the way. <clears throat> but there's no. just been a little bit too much recent news about this. Uh well I'm I mean let's so I Let's, let's just let's call. Just let's just call a spade. A, let's just call a spade a spade. There were there were there were like Nazi flags in front of Disney World that I saw like this week. Yep. And like screw that noise. Yep. No place anywhere for any of that. Yep. And um, yeah. Yikes. Anyways, I'm glad they changed it to what it is. 
let's get back on track, okay? We're, we're happy Hitler is not present in Disney World and yeah. moving forward. Thank you. So basically, yeah. So then uh, you, um, there's the universal man. He's talking to you and he's whatever. Um, and uh, he begins the right narration. And from there, you would basically go into utter darkness and be hit with a giant explosion symbolizing the Big Bang. Um, and then you would travel through space and planets, eventually ending up on Earth with the dinosaurs. Okay. Which is like, you know, we, we love dinosaurs, but um, they had nothing to do with, like, humans evolved. Right. So um, it would go through the whole story, man, mankind, focusing on all of those key points that I mentioned Fred Williams earlier from USC had kind of plotted out. Um, and the big finale would be, would be basically would take us up into space, symbolizing us as future space explorers, and then shifting the focus back to Earth when um, we descend back down as the universal man challenges us to build a better future. Wow, does that sound like a lecture? I don't want any of that. Well, that's kind of what happens. I know, but like it sounds kind of like a little luxury. The for way me. that it's described is, does not sound great, but... I mean, not to, like, spoil what you're going to talk about. Mm -hmm. It does start with, like, cavemen and mammoths. Yes, it does. And, and then we'll, we'll you end up about that. in space looking down on Earth. <laughs> mm -hmm. And then you descend back mm -hmm. and you're making choices about how to make right, a better future. Right. So that's almost what you said. Yeah, it is. I just think there's a difference between making choices on a fun little screen and... Uh, and, like, being, being told being what lectured, good right. choices are. Yeah, for sure. Um, one interesting thing that I, I think is that when they were had all these ideas for um, a lot of the early sort of spaceship stuff, like they wanted to have, a sp we'll talk about it in just a brief moment with some of the storyline, but they wanted to have like a space station and stuff like that. So there was a whole lot of um, of uh, concept art by a um, an artist named Claudio Mazzoli. And if you look at the entrance of Spaceship Earth, there's that big, beautiful mural. Well, mm -hmm. That was that was from his work. Okay. So they kind of put that there as homage to the fact that he was really working on some ideas and, and some creative, you know, storyboarding and, and, and visuals for the ride itself. Yeah, the mural that has, like, the cavemen at the bottom and the astronauts Exactly, yeah. right. Um, uh, we are going to talk about the story, <laughs> but uh, I want to really quickly uh, – actually, let's, let's talk about – let's continue on with the story. Let's and talk then we'll about get the into, story. So, obviously, like I said, it focuses on the evolution of communication um, with a prediction of what the future um, is going to be. And um, fittingly, uh, communication was the through line for the entire story. It was and still is. And uh, very fittingly, uh, Bell Systems was the very first sponsor of Spaceship Earth. Um, it took over two years to complete. It is comprised of two separate spheres. And uh, it was the first of its ride to be like that. Um, and the ride layout actually is comprised of two helixes um, using Disney's Omnimover system, which is the exact same system that you would find in uh, like your Doom buggies, for instance, in Haunted Mansion. Mm -hmm. um, I had mentioned that Ray Bradbury was, was very, you know, key in his, um, you know, involvement with the, the original storyline for the attraction. And actually, Spaceship Earth did get its name from R. Buckminster Fuller's 1969 book called Operating Manual for Spaceship Earth. Interesting. Um, and, uh, you know, they're, they're essentially act as like time machines is what mm -hmm. these things do. Yeah. So on October 1st, uh, 1979, Epcot officially did start its construction 
And um, uh, one of the things that I found really interesting about the the storyline was that it actually was supposed to only house um, the ending of the ride, where you go up into space in the uh, in the sphere. And then it was going to have Spaceship Earth, and then behind it was going to be a big show building where you went through everything and saw all of the mm-hmm. stories. Um, and then eventually, obviously, they you know decided to uh, fit everything into the sphere. Um, really a feat of, of engineering, I think. Um, I don't know why it's debated, but the first narrator is Vic Perrin. And there are some other people who think it could have been Lawrence Dopkin. Again, I, don't, I, I saw that in a couple different places, but... Um, Vic Perrin seems like he's probably the most legitimate of the first of the narrators. That's weird that they wouldn't be able to confirm that. I know. Again, with it, it seems like it's decisively like... Vic Perrin, but the, I saw like two other sources where it's like, yeah, but it also could have been Lauren Lawrence Dopkin who did some of the voices for Hall of Presidents. But it's weird because it was know. only forty years ago. Somebody should have that information. I know. Well, you know, they were so busy building the weird. damn thing. Yeah. Um. Uh, so the first visuals were lightning and clouds uh, showing early humans fighting mammoths. Um, and then obviously you had the shaman telling stories in a cave. You move on to the Egyptians making papyrus. Um, you see Phoenicians trading goods at a harbor. Um, the Greek were performing theater of um, o- o- Oedipus Rex. Is that how you say that? Is it Oedipus? Oedipus, I think. I think O E D I P S. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. Oedipus. Yeah. Did I say Oedipus? Like a you mom, did. Like, that's like okay. a lunatic. Um, I just say think it of it as the Oedipus complex. Oedipus. Oedipus. Thank you. Yeah. Um, performing Oedipus Rex, uh, we see you know Romans exchanging information with a man in a toga, um, with a projection of a man on a chariot, kind of going off into the distance. Um, after the fall of Rome, of course, we enter the Dark Ages with uh, wise men tried transcribing information. From there, they go into the Renaissance, which shows a printing press and a man reading um, to a man and a woman. And we also see um, a man carving a marble statue, um, uh, which actually, interestingly enough, was a marble statue of a, of a topless woman with like no arms, like one of those classic kind of mm-hmm. you know thing. Um, that was actually removed um, simultaneously as the uh, as red in Pirates of the Caribbean. Oh, the woman really? at the auction, yeah. So once they um, oh. once they removed that because it just seemed a little bit uh, yeah. how do you say this um, sexist and terrible, um, they also removed the, the the nudity of the stuff. Which yeah. I mean, it's art, but I can understand why they removed sure. that. Yeah. Um, although now there's a very tiny little model of it next to it to kind of like oh, preserve okay. it. Yeah. Um, and then of course uh, that particular area um, in the Dark Ages ends with the painting of the uh, Sistine Chapel. Um, we move into a more modern printing area with a paperboy, um, and it leads into a telegraph station and a woman at a at a switchboard. Of course, this again is like the first thing you see in the eighty in eighty two right. when it opens up. Yeah. Um, fun little fact about the paperboy: you still see him, right? Mm-hmm. But um, one of the things you may not realize is that his back is turned to you when you are on the ride, mm-hmm. and the reason his back is turned to you is because his face was actually damaged in upkeep. And so on his face, it's all messed up and like ruined. And yeah. so instead of trying to fix it, they just flipped him around. So he was like Weird. talking to the wall. Yeah. Uh, so that's that's why he's he's actually flipped around. Um, we also see uh, for the very first time that uh, Spaceship Earth ran, um, we also see uh, two people in a recording booth performing a teleplay for something called uh, WDP. It's kind of obvious, but do you have a guess of like what W... 
DP might have stood for? Walt Disney Program. Walt Disney Productions. Oh, I was So close. close. I was okay. on the right track. Um, to the right of that, of course, there's a cinema which is sharing clips from early days um, of film. We also see a family watching television in their apartment, uh, or in their home with a bunch of like apartments in the background, kind of showing like, you know, the, the new sort of way of, of living in community. Uh, and then beyond that, of course, we see a boy <clears throat> at a desk at a 1970s computer. And then um, we see a person at an 80s, sort of more modern, quote, computer in the 80s. Um, and then, you know, from there, you end up seeing a, a networking computer uh, center um, as employees are, like, monitoring the system, similar to how you would have, like, a big, like, in those situation room things at NASA where you see, like, the whole globe and all that. Yeah. Something kind of like that. Um, and then, of course, you end it at the very top of um, Spaceship Earth. Yeah. Originally... Um, it was intended that you would exit through the space, uh, spaceship's airlock hatch and travel through a lunar surface with a moon base under construction. Uh, they used force perspective to expand space and kind of make it look really, really big. Uh, but unfortunately, the idea was scrapped because it was like deemed less than convincing. It just was not well, looking good yeah. at all. Um What's interesting, though, is, is up until, I want to say, like, the 90s, almost 99, perhaps, um, there were actually still parts of the moon surface, surface in the attraction. Really? So as you were, as you were going through the space, um, there were, like, uh, astronauts, uh, there was a space station, satellite props, um, and as you were going down, uh, you know, th there was screens with projected colors and images and things like that. Um, while other screens kind of around you as you were going backwards shared video on just, you know, kind of all over the place of, of different things happening and sort of almost like a, a historic recap, if you will. Right. Um, the uh, original Earth Station's uh, final unloading area um, was uh, called World Key Information. So this is kind of like that area where you get off the ride and there's all mm -hmm. this stuff happening. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, there you could actually at the time set up reservations or just get information about the park. Oh, so okay. it, was, it was pretty simple, yeah. um, really. In uh, 1986, so only four years after opening, AT&T took over as the main sponsor and uh, Walter Concrete. Uh, uh, Walter Cronkite. Cronkite. Walter Cronkite. Hey. Wow, boy, I said this one was going to be funny, and this is a laugh a minute. Uh, he took over as the narrator with a brand new script. Uh, fog effects were removed from the introduction, and they replaced it with a star field. Um, a bunch of animatronics were removed, and um, this new version had a, 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 a score with a brand new song called uh, Tomorrow's Child as You Descended uh, Down the Ride. I'm going to play you a little bit of this song. We will we will make sure it's it's audible in the show. Sure. This is like what nightmares are made of after you were in a room full of animatronics. Tomorrow's child. Tomorrow's child. Gathering gifts from our past. Tomorrow's child. Tomorrow's child. Shaping a world that will If that was with a fireworks show, sure. I do not want that when I'm Children's going backwards in, in a dark, dark room. Yeah, no, thank you. 
Tomorrow's Child, uh, not a summer banger by any means. Uh, yeah, I, I, I don't want that. I'm glad that's not that anymore. Do you know how long that rendition was around? Um, I don't know. I'm asking. So you in 1999, the... AT&T renewed its sponsorship. Okay. And Jeremy Iron was the new narrator with a brand new script. And the ride got a brand new soundtrack as well. So that's oh, your answer. It was there for about 13 years. Okay. Okay. Um, after you see the 1950s family watching the television, um, we actually see in 99, it, uh, almost like a telecommunications room with a young boy sitting on his stomach on like a computer screen. And he's seemingly FaceTiming. I, I put FaceTiming in quotes in my notes here. But he's like video, you know, video chatting a young boy in Japan on like a flat screen sort of translucent, you know, like monitor. Uh, the telecommunications room was actually replaced with a large illuminated earth uh, with a brand new light show. And the satellite uh, props were, were now removed entirely. Uh, however, the, uh, descent included, uh, brand new innovative dioramas. And at the end was a beautiful set piece that basically showed off like all of the cities and, 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 and things that you saw together, uh, basically culminating into this big, beautiful panoramic view. Um, and then when you got off the ride, there was a big sign, um, by AT&T, of course, oh. that said, uh, bringing people together anytime, anywhere. And, uh, this new area was called the global neighborhood. And um, it was at the end of the ride with interactive things to do. Uh, but in 2004, AT&T decided they were not going to renew their sponsorship and the neighborhood was left. Um, this is super weird, but literally boarded up and just like abandoned. So they, they just took walls and they just put it up and left all the <clears throat> modules and things to do in, the, uh, in, um, in that global neighborhood to basically just sort of, you know, die off and, and, and be gone. That's super weird. Yeah. Uh, the next year, after AT&T uh, reneged on, on uh, renewing their sponsorship, um, a company called uh, Siemens in, in 2005 became the new sponsor. And uh, this, of course, came with a brand new script and a narration was taken over by none other than... Judy Dench. Dame Judy Dench. That's correct. And uh, from there, we see new animations on the wall with like the, um, you know, uh, cavemen and, and woolly mammoths and things like that. Uh, we get brand new animatronics, and of course, we see uh, some anima animatronics and, and, and show scenes were basically removed altogether. So here's some of the um, updates that we obviously now see. Um, the Greek play um, of um, Oedipus Rex was uh, now changed to a teacher in his class. So that's where the teacher's speaking and everyone's surrounding him. Uh, the chariot racing off was removed, um, and uh, the couple who was doing the teleplay was actually replaced by a news anchor at a desk, and his microphone read out now instead of WDP. His microphone now read out WDI. Do you want to guess what that is? Walt Disney Imagineering. That is 100% on the nose. You got it. Woo. On the money, not on the nose. Close enough. Whatevs. Uh, the biggest changes, though, were in the telecommunications room, where now we see a woman with one of the very first computers um, and, you know, one of the just giant computers that takes up a whole room. And then you basically go right into um, Silicon Valley, where you see what appears to be Steve Jobs or possibly Steve Wozniak working in their garage. Um, and after you pass through that, you see a brand new, beautiful projection of Earth. 
And as you're going down backwards, you um, get to interact with the screen and uh, basically plan your way down and help imagine a better tomorrow. And um, the, pro- the, the global neighborhood is now called Project Tomorrow. Yes. So. That um, all sounds familiar. Two things. First of all, did you know that in the early days, I, I, I read this somewhere. I hope I'm right about this. And this wasn't someone tricking me online. But I read online that they actually had cast members at the top of the earth manually turning the carts. What? Early on. Yeah. That's what I read. Whether or not it's true, I don't know for, for certain. But I did read that someone's job was to, like, turn the cars as they were going down the hill. Weird. Again, I don't know if that's entirely true. but Yeah, I don't know. I think it's, it's kind of an interesting thought. Um, are you with me so far? Are you hanging in there okay? Yes. I... I feel like they wouldn't have had to do that because didn't they already have dune buggies at this point? Yeah, we, we talked about that. I, again, I don't know if that's 100% true, but well, that's what I read. I don't, again, I don't knows? know, but I, it's something that I read on, on, yeah. a, um, on like a history page or something. Um, so listen, so we've got the, the – this is like the entire idea of what, what it's made of. I did not expect to go into like a what it's made of thing, but I think it's really compelling and fascinating. Mm-hmm. Are we talking about the outside? Yeah, we're not yep. the inside. Yep. Okay. So, of course, uh, Spaceship Earth is a geodesic sphere. It is 180 feet tall. It is 15,525,000 pounds. Um, and it has a drainage system that goes through one-inch gaps all through the little pyramids on it um, that filter rain directly into the lagoon in the World Showcase. So when it's pouring, I almost said if it's pouring, but when it's pouring in Florida, you can actually seek shelter underneath Spaceship Earth and you will not get wet because there's an entire drainage system within it that that takes care of that for you. Which is great. Otherwise, it would just be like, you know, plummeting water all around it. Right. Um, So they, Disney got the idea for this ride based on... A, um, where is it here? They got the idea for this ride from none other than the 1967 Montreal World Fair. And, um, here's something really fun. Are you ready for this? We talked earlier about how the ride was, um, how the, how the, uh, the script was, uh, let me find it. Let me find it. Cause names are hard, you know? So we talked we talked about how um Buckminster Fuller uh he was, you know, the author of the book Spaceship Earth that that the that the ride mm-hmm. was was cleaned after. Um he actually designed a half sphere in the Montreal 1967 World Fair. So he was actually very crazy. I mean, this is this is this to me just seems like I, I said serendipitous earlier in the show, but I feel like it's a great word to use here as well. Um, yeah, he was actually the one that that designed that like the use that Bradbury used his in, in, inspiration from his book, and he also they also used inspiration from his design at the World Fair for this entire ride. So what he was is, the sphere for at the World's Fair. Ooh, that is well, isn't that a question? Um, was it just like you know, a I don't piece of architecture? Remember. I think there might have been something in it, but to be honest with you, I can't 100% remember. Uh, I have 
We'll find it later. We'll post My it on our Instagram. My notes consist of 19,000 words. We'll post it on our so, Instagram later yeah, when we find I'll out. I find it all. I'll share it. Um, so they originally worked with, with Fuller on this thing. And um, that was great. He was, he was a big part of the project. Uh, but they also worked with a company called uh, Simpson, uh, Gumperts, and uh, Hager Incorporated. And uh, this, the, the sphere is actually covered in something called a Luca Bond. And there are 11,324 quarter-inch panels uh, with a polyethylene um, core in the middle. Um, a Luca Bond was actually designed over the course of a number of years in the 1960s by a um, company called um, Alusi. Alu- Al- <laughs> it's a Switzer. It's a Switz name. Um, Alusi Composites. I you have spell it for you? no idea. A L U S U I S S E. I have no idea. Anyways, I'm gonna like do like a robot voiceover. So yeah, there you it go. sounds like you know. Anyways, uh, this is an aluminum com- aluminum company that was founded in Switzerland in 1888. Uh, they found that by using aluminum as an outer shell with a plastic core in the middle, it reduced first of all the weight of um, the material, and it also really helped insulate the material as well. It had really good insulation um, insulation properties, and so it it really helped to kind of you know make the make the attraction in the sphere better. Yeah, that makes sense. Uh, they began manufacturing a Luca Bond at the end of 1968 in Germany, and it actually ended up being a very useful material for everything from shop signs to building facades, tunnel lining, and in this case, exhibition stands, right? Mm-hmm. Um, the company, they moved over to the United States um, in Benton, Kentucky in 1978. And in 1978, through their um, subsidiary uh, called the Consolidated Aluminum Company, they reopened a plant uh, just on the north side of town that used to be one of the um, productions of facilities of the Ashby Corporation. And this specific corpor- uh, corporation manufactured aluminum furniture like lawn chairs and cots and things like that. Uh only a few years later, um, as the 1980s began, a company called um, Dimmerest in uh, Manatee County, Florida, threw their hat in the ring uh, to design and build the iconic centerpiece of Disney's newest theme park, Epcot. Uh, the, in their pitch, they wanted to uh, basically give Disney the idea of saying, hey, let's coat this entire sphere in a Luca Bond. And um, they sent Disney really early examples of the pyramids in the frame. Um, uh, David uh, Dimmerast, the founder, originally said that Disney was pretty uncommitted to the idea. But after some time, they had agreed um, to the idea and they did put um, Dimmerest in charge of engineering, fabrication, and installation of the outer shell of Spaceship Earth. Uh, the material was actually, interestingly enough, tested at MIT and it was subjected to 120 mile an hour winds. Without shattering, it withstood multiple lightning strikes and was deemed a uh, fire retardant. And the material was also um, anodized, which is basically just a process that helps protect the aluminum from the weather and, and ultimately corrosion. Yeah, makes sense. So basically, this helps with Spaceship Earth um, because having those clean 11,000 you know, panels would, would be really difficult. To have to like clean those things, uh, yeah, that would just not be fun for anyone. And or also, if they got rusted or corroded or something. Exactly. And also, um, if there's one thing I know about the universe is that gravity hates us and does not want us to defy it. So, yeah. 
Um, that would really stink. Uh, the consolidated aluminum company um, basically found themselves manufacturing an estimate of uh, or an estimated 500,000 pounds of Alucabon triangles, and it took 350 people to put every panel together. Um, they had a crane with a 300-foot boom that helps, you know, assemble everything. Um, and the uh, panel installation took four and a half months. Uh, the triangle installation was what they said to be the most hazardous part of the job. Because, like, I mean, some of the pictures I saw were people, like, you know, tied onto a spaceship Earth and, like, hanging off of it while grabbing a Lukabon triangles and trying to, like, place them on oh the God. sphere. Um, but it, the, they said that it happened all without incident. So no one was hurt in the making of Spaceship Earth. That's great. Thank goodness. Uh, back in Kentucky, uh, Consolidated Aluminum would end up winning an industrial award of the year um, from the Marshall County Chamber of Commerce for their work with Demarest and Disney. Um, and now the company is known as 3A Composites, and they are still in Kentucky today. Oh, very nice. What a what a what a whirlwind of information that is, huh? Yes. That's more I ever thought I would ever know about Spaceship Earth? Well, plastics and metals. You know, one of the things that I, I think about with this series is that, you know, we've talked so much about artists and people who you see their work and stuff and you really think about like the stories and imagineers and all that, but like, um, boy, you could really have a job at Disney if you're an engineer. You know, yeah. if you like, or a mathematician or engineer or someone who knows or their way around stuff. construction and right, exactly. design and architecture. Uh, I so, mean, every kind of job. Right. So I, f I found it all really, really compelling. Um, and what's really crazy, too, to me is that they were able to, you know, basically say, like, we are going to take this sphere and... You know, it's going to be 165 feet in diameter, 18 stories tall, and it's going to basically be raised 156 feet off the ground. And they were able to accomplish it. I mean, I think that out of every single icon that we're talking about in this series, uh, without a question, like Spaceship Earth is the most impressive. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I think that the castles are gorgeous and the Tree of Life, of course, is a sight to behold, but... It, this thing is just like a feat of engineering. Absolutely. Um, and it's it, it's totally, you know, Disney to me that they, they saw the half sphere in the Montreal State Fair and they're like, we can do better than that. Or World's Fair. And they're like, we can, yes. we can do better than that. Yep. You know, we're going to get this sucker off the ground. Yep. Um, uh, just a couple of really quick little tidbits about this thing that I, I think is interesting is that, you know, the big mirror piece um, in the middle of the of Spaceship Earth? Yes. That actually serves as an elevator for oh, really? folks who are um, in wheelchairs, oh, which I find kind of interesting. That is interesting. Because I didn't know that, didn't he? Yeah, weird. Um, I didn't know that. The other thing about the ride, too, is that, you know, it's obviously um, ever moving. Mm -hmm. So the line's pretty quick to get through. And um, frankly, I think it's just a great ride. And, and I, I, that was one of the things that I, when I first went to Disney World, I was, I was most struck by was how beautiful that thing was mm -hmm. the castle was cool but i've seen castles before tree of life is gorgeous you know i've already seen the tower of terror before but something about spaceship earth i think just is um so quintessentially disney world uh and and what's interesting too is that it's like timeless you know i mean right. it, it looks just as beautiful now as it as it did way back the 80s, in the 80s yeah. yeah so my favorite part of spaceship earth 
is when you reach the top of the sphere mm-hmm. and it feels very much like a planetarium. Mm-hmm. It's beautiful. It's just a 360 degree experience. There's stars everywhere. Mm-hmm. You, I mean, it doesn't feel super realistic like you are in space, but you do feel completely immersed in that experience and what right. tone they're trying to set. And then you start descending. And I love when something's interactive. Mm-hmm. So I love doing that and finding out what my house is going to look like and based on what I value. And I, I have a feeling that our show art might include my picture That's from, my I think favorite. it was 2019 when we went. I and I so. just, my eyes were half shut when they took our photo and Judy Dench was saying how great I'm going to be in the future. And I was like, well, maybe. Um, that, that, that is one of those rides where I do feel like I need to go on it every time we, we visit. Um, it, it, it actually, I feel like I have to muster up courage when I go on it because it does scare me a little bit. Um, animatronics make me very uneasy. And these specific animatronics just really freak me out to be around, right? So, um, you know, there's a... There's there's that. <laughs> um, the the other thing I'll say too, just about you know spaceship Earth in general, is I think it might be my favorite thing to photograph in the parks. Like period. Oh, you spend more time photographing that morning, noon, and night. Mm-hmm. So they recently put on all these little like I don't I don't want to get I don't know exactly what they're called, and this was not part of my research because it's not in the history. But like a, a year or two ago, right? They put in like those what mini LEDs almost all around yes. it. And it, I mean, the light shows on this thing now are just absolutely spectacular and gorgeous. Um, uh, they've done so much with it. Like one of my first um, impressions of it when I was on YouTube as a kid uh, was seeing when they like portrayed uh, Mike Wazowski's face on it. Maybe I was older than being a kid, but remember that? You know what I mean? Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. They did that. They do all kinds of cool stuff on it. I think they did some Muppet stuff with it. Um, but this new like mini LEDs on it are amazing. So amazing, in fact, that I got in trouble last time we went because um, I lost track of time photographing it. And then I came back and Paige is like, you took forever. <laughs> well, I was... You were tired. Super tired. And... Our 10-month-old was like freaking out. Yeah. And I just walked off to take photos and I, I am instant regret. Um, it was like 9.30, 10 o'clock. I was so excited to see it. It was right. Okay, so it must have been. It was right before. It was right before. What show was it? Then? Uh, Epcot Forever. Yeah, it was right before Epcot Forever, mm-hmm. and we were we needed to get. So we had spent the morning in Epcot, full day. Then we went to Hollywood Studios, and we came back for the evening just to kind of finish things off and stuff. And I I disappeared for a minute, and I am so sorry I left you with a ten month old officially on our show, okay. even though I think I may have apologized a lot more. I'm pretty sure part. you did, for sure. Um. Do you have any any thoughts about it? Any like special memories of Spaceship Earth or anything that just really speaks to you when you think about it? No, like I said, I think the first time I ever wrote it was in 2016, even after that being my, I don't know, 15th time at Epcot or something crazy like that. Right. Um. Yeah, I hated the time that we got stuck in the Renaissance. That was very creepy to I me. I hated that so much. Most of the animatronic don't freak me out for some reason animatronics from the renaissance period mm-hmm. are really creepy yeah we were right there watching like you know the sistine chapel being painted and it just made me so uneasy um i know that kind of in the you know fall of rome or in the dark ages or whatever it is people seem to really love the burning books smell mm-hmm. section i could take it or leave it i don't really I care did. about that um but it, it it really is something i, I think it's a great ride 
Um, I did have one question for you as we're kind of wrapping things up and coming to a close. Uh-huh. Um, it's been through four different narrators. I think that Jeremy Irons, I've heard all four of them and they're all amazing. Um, I think that while I love, you know, Judy Dench, I think that Jeremy Irons was incredible and they brought him in uh, in part due to the success of The Lion King because he was the voice of Scar. Uh, who would you want to see if they replaced the voice? Who would you want to see come in and, and take over? Oh, goodness. Well, my first instinct when you said that was Julie Andrews, even though that's not like yeah, I can see having that. to make anyone younger. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? Because inevitably they would probably pick someone younger. Mm-hmm. Um, anybody with a British accent. I was going to say, I think Tom Hiddleston would be great. Yeah. He has a very soothing voice. He does. Um, Jude Law. I think if they brought in Morgan Freeman, that'd be a home run. Oh, yes. You know? Can't go wrong with Morgan Freeman. Uh, but I was thinking about that. Either you know? Morgan Freeman or a British accent. Yeah. Although I, I do think, though, um, I think they should just keep Judy Dench around forever. Cause she's yes. very, very good at it. Well, it's it's so well done. The mm-hmm. way that she says everything, her tone, her mm-hmm. affect, it's yep. just so nice. It's soothing. I Even agree. when we were stuck in the Renaissance. I agree. We got to awful. hear Judy Dench before and after that. So, uh, yep. Did you have any other thoughts about it or anything like that? Or are we, really. We're good here. Really. I have a lot of stuff in my brain about the Tree of Life. So we're going to do the Tree of Life next week, followed by the small castle in Disneyland, which I'll be doing. The and then teeny, Paige tiny castle. will take us home with a big castle in uh, magic kingdom that's gonna be a lot of fun yes and then we don't have anything planned for after this yet although i think what we might do is maybe do a little bit of defunct um icons like the mickey sorcerer hat or maybe talk about a few things that are kind of like icons but lesser i would love to talk about the sorcerer hat i kind of want to talk about matterhorn yeah because the matterhorn is like disneyland is like sleeping beauty's castles sleeping beauty's sleeping beauty's castles cute sister Yes. I think. I agree. You know? I agree. Like, like Sleeping Beauty's castle is the, the prettiest girl at the, at the dance. But then Matterhorn walks in and you're like, hello. <laughs> you are gorgeous. That's a great uh, Yeah. So anyways, that's going to do it for us, guys. Thank you so much for listening to the show, uh, supporting us, and being part of the Parks Academy. Um, we have such a great time doing this weekly. And uh, again, we appreciate all the kind words and, and your involvement with the show. Um, thank you one more time, of course, to Deep Cut for sponsoring the show, and you can get 10% off your first order. Remember, using the code TPA10 at checkout. Uh, you can find us online at theparksacademypod.com, at the Parks Academy on Instagram. Uh, we are mostly active on Instagram primarily, so check us out there. And of course, if you would like to promote, uh, if you would like to uh, support the show, uh, the two best ways to do that are either check us out on Patreon, where we have some bonus content coming out, and also... Um, of course, we would greatly appreciate reviews, uh, kind words, and ratings on Apple Podcast. Uh, thanks again so much, everyone. And, uh, you know, start in uh, Canada, start in Adventureland. Mm-hmm.